Hey there and welcome to the Movers and Mavericks podcast brought to you by We Move. This episode we bring you three conversations from this year's Exhale Festival. Exhale is a festival of like minds who come together and share, learn and experience ideas of movement, healing and more importantly good vibes. We went to hang out with friends here for the day and found ourselves meeting the next three people uh, and the opportunity to share their ideas was too good to pass up. First up, we speak to Tristan Kobayashi, a coach who is exploring the world of bodyweight and calisthenics. And I wasn't expecting his backstory, but then again, there's a story and learnings from everyone if we're present enough to hear them. It's a great quick entry into Exhale. Next up, we speak to Nicola Price, who we knew of but had not connected her to the breathing movement we've been following since day one at We Move. Nicola runs Inspirational Breathing, an organization which uses the healing power of the breath to release our potential, heal trauma, and ultimately get more from life. In the arena of sports, we can often get bogged down with the performance being about the numbers, and Nicola makes a real case for connecting with our breath to delve deeper into what's holding us back. Oftentimes, working harder isn't the way to make the gains we want. And finally, we catch up with Mark Aquaviva on a real strong recommendation from Carl Four from episode nine. Now, we, Chris and I attended Mark's class prior to the recording, and for ease of definition, Mark practices yoga. He's a yoga teacher, but that doesn't celebrate Mark's ideas about movement and the relationship we have with our body. At the end of the practice, I felt slightly bamboozled and my body was asking loads of questions about how to get out of my own way and develop my practice. It was a very good spend of two hours. Each conversation is around the 25 minute mark. We could have gone on with each one, but it felt right to bring you these three connected individuals in this shorter format. As always, let us know what you think by sending us a message on Instagram at We Move Magazine. Leave us a review on iTunes and or Stitcher if you're into what we're doing and enjoy the show. We're here at uh, Excel Festival on Saturday with Tristan Kobayashi. We've just... Had How are you doing? <laughs> really good. Good, really man. Good. How are you? So we've just been in your workshop, but first of all... Indeed. Your surname. Right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Kobayashi. It's, it's not uh, a northeast... No, no, no. Like, uh, well, maybe Northeast Japan, mate. Northeast <laughs> Japan. Um, yeah, it's it's the equivalent of Smith in Japan, really. It's probably the most boring name ever. It's uh, very simple. Just quite simply means small forest, you know. Just super basic. <laughs> <laughs> but it's really funny because here everyone thinks it's this, uh, I don't know, flamboyant, exotic. But it's just, uh, yeah. It's just the Kobayashi. Yeah, I'm just the Kobayashi, mate. I'm just a commoner. <laughs> for real so your workshop calisthenics but it's a bit more than that in the way that you teach it yeah i mean it's it's taking what is essentially like calisthenic principles and we're just kind of trying to what, what we're essentially trying to do is we're trying to use science and we're trying to use advanced terminologies and simplify them down to the point where like anybody can do these things like the whole point for us is that you can take someone in their 50s and you can do like gymnastics-based work with them or handstand-based work with them or like bar-star-style work with them. And the age isn't a barrier. Your body is not a barrier. 
Um, it's just a case of working at the level that is appropriate for you at that time and building it up slowly because we all started somewhere, right? Yeah. You know, like I like to tell everyone, like, well, we all burst out of the vagina. You know, we all had to learn how to crawl. We all had to learn how to walk. And, you know, we've all had to learn those things by making mistakes <laughs> at every stage of development. We think it's very normal for a child to make mistakes as they learn to do new things. But when we're adults, somehow we get ourselves out of that. We somehow think that it's, it's a different thing, that we need to be able to have to like perform or uh, we need to do things perfectly or, or somehow we seem stupid. You know, and there seems to be quite a lot of fear basis, especially for these like more exotic based skills. You know, the the Instagram like skills, I call them, Mm. you know. Um, So it's just for us, it's about trying to make that accessible, get rid of the hype and teach teach it to people for the right reasons, that it's fulfilling, that it's empowering and that it encourages health. It's all about health and structural balance at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it's been it's been a really fun workshop. We've had a great great crowd in, really really <laughs> diverse, different backgrounds. Really enjoyed myself. Yeah, it was interesting when you were talking about the the warm up, and you said you said something like warming up isn't warming up like that. Was it that word? That phrase isn't the right. Yeah, I mean, I, I, like essentially, like to warm to yeah, it's, it's quite a misleading terminology, isn't it? It's like. To warm up implies certain things that we are heating up that, you know, you imagine being a bit sweaty, just a slightly out of breath, maybe, you know, and like blood pumping. And the reality is you want as little of that to go on as possible. You want your system to be awake, technically. I mean, I don't like to use terms like activation or, yeah, anything like that, because when we kind of look at the actual science of it, what are we activating, you know? (laughs) Like, it's... There's a lot of debunking, let, let's let's put it that way, that goes on in the industry as to like terminology that we use. So I just like to say like we wake up areas, you know, mm-hmm. we build awareness, you know, it's just kind of like um, almost a mindfulness activity, and that just ensures that people actually have a memory that they've built because they have to put conscious awareness into a body part. You know, they're far more likely to remember the material if I've made their brain connect to their body rather than if I just slog them. You know, if you just get people to sweat and work really hard during a workout, you're not ensuring that they come away with anything later. And like, well, you know, there's a lot of workshops for, for just slogging yourself, but mine ain't one of them, you know what I mean? It's mm-hmm. uh, it's about education, education and empowerment, yeah. you know, resources. <laughs> and there was a lot about the education of scapula. Yeah, yeah. Which seems to be a quite well, an important part. Yeah, massively. Um it's just upper body upper body strength it's a it's a key weak link for so i say so many people i'd say 11 out of 10 people let's put it that way have weak scapula um it's 10 times out of 10 the problem with upper body pulling pushing everything everything that there is um so we start there and we make sure that we understand what the scapula are, how we move the scapula, how we don't want the scapula to move, and why we want to do that. That's the most important thing. I think when you're teaching anything to anyone, if you don't help them understand why, both visually and from like a theoretical point of view, then why the hell would they want to learn it? You know, you have to show people that things are useful for the body, for the brain to want to remember. So yeah. Um, just explaining at every stage like we protract so that when we press it's not our triceps taking the load you know we have a bigger muscle group in play it's about making it easier or more biomechanically efficient or whatever 
you know. But adults need a reason to learn something, whereas children will just learn something because it's fun. Mm. What, why is it that people have weak scapulas? Mm. You know, is, it, is that modern-day living that, you know, for whatever reason... Well, I mean, I think I think we don't really move much anymore, do we? Like our, our like our modern paradigm, our modern societal paradigm at least does not encourage movement on any level. Uh what what do we encourage in society? We encourage a lot of sitting down from an early age, okay? We we tell children to sit down and shut up and listen in a classroom for many, many hours a day. We give them a lunch hour and we make them ask permission when they have to urinate. You know what is that? That is a prison system that we run for children essentially (laughs) and then what do we tell them to do after that right okay go away and do more of that with the hope that at the end of it you get lots of theoretical money papers that sit on a screen and then maybe you'll be happy because you'll get to do what you want later you know where is movement or health in that emphasis like how many children understand that a bag of crisps is, is full of like trans fat and like chemicals no no kid does kids know that crisps are yummy you know because school does not tell them these things school does not like educate a child in more or less anything useful in my opinion and that is the paradigm that we set for the rest of society so we say right what what matters like how do we establish your value within society right what do you do for a job how much money you earn uh how big's your house do you have a family blah 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 we let society set the standards for what we want to do with our time and at which point does society go, right, you should spend lots of time on your personal development because you'll be happy and you'll live longer. Did, does society value that? I don't know. Like, you guys tell me. Like, <laughs> I think I'm just being quite extreme about it. But uh, at the end of the day, I think, like, society ain't really about empowerment and personal journey, you know, because a lot of empowered, personal, personally, uh, personally driven people... Well, they don't need the society, do they? Because they've already got their path to blaze, and society don't like doesn't like people who don't rely on it. Mm. You know, and yeah, that's. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> okay, so what was your what was your path to your personal empowerment? With I, I mean, I'm I'm assuming calisthenics, body weight. How did you come to that? Uh, I came to that through being a very broken and depressed and ill person. Um, so. Like, I, I grew up doing a variety of sports through my teens. Um, like, uh, my first love was skateboarding. Uh, I could never really get into team sports. I wanted something about that was about personal expression and, and lack of competition. Mm-hmm. Like, I was a very, very competitive cross-country runner, and I was a champion downhill slalom skier. But I quit both because the adrenaline was so, so high for me by doing those things. I would feel physically ill for days after I competed, and I hated it. I really hated the the pressure, the screaming parents, the whole deal. And I needed something that disconnected me from all of that. So I got into skateboarding, I got into surfing, I got into snowboarding, I got into motorcycle track racing. But like for, for time trials, not for actually against other people. Um, and capoeira, you know. Um, and I just went went with those things for, for a few years off and on. Uh, and then I started getting really sick at about age... 17, 18, because that's what runs in my family. And I started getting really ill and really quite broken and stiff. Um, My thyroid was failing and I was starting to get ME uh, because that also runs in my family. And I thought, ah, shit. Well, clearly, clearly what I've been taught or what I'm currently doing is really not working here. So I need to I need to figure out something different to this. 
Um, so I was working at the time, I was working for a, in the corporate banking division of Santander, believe it or not. This is pre-tattoos and long hair, yeah, pre-face <laughs> tattoos, guys. Um, no one believes me when I tell them that, it's funny as hell. But um, so the, the big part of the movement journey really started for me when I burnt all my bridges and I went, right, I am ill and broken and I have a very high paying job and I'm doing everything right in society's eyes and I'm miserable. So I went, right, I'm selling everything I own I'm moving to the Arctic Circle. I'm going to live in the mountains. I'm going to dedicate my time to trying to to discover more about myself and help others. And so I did that for about a year, year and a half. Um, And it was great because I was up in the Arctic and I had one set of rings in a garage and a yoga mat. And I had nobody there to input to me. I had no, there was no society. There was no television. There was no advertising. There was just none of it. And it was just this blank slate for me to work with. So I had an internet connection so I could do some research on how to attain the things I wanted to attain. And then I had a lot of free time because from October through to May in this place is like chest high snow. (laughs) So it's a hard environment to be in. And if you can't sit with yourself in that place, you will drive yourself mad. So was it a real um, trial by fire then, the sitting with yourself? Because so many people cannot sit on their own can't be in shavasana the resting pose in yoga they, they just can't spend time with themselves so was it a real oh, where you'd come from and what the situation you put yourself in yeah i mean i i completely agree with you there i i would still say that sitting with myself can be a real challenge at times uh, i think as soon as someone is is forced to deal with a lack of sound and a lack of input. They are met with their own consciousness. And for a lot of people, they really struggle to calm the chatter. Um, and they struggle to find that mindful or resourceful state. Um, and I think having to live in that environment, whether you're trying to be mindful or not, was quite a helpful thing for me. I mean, don't get me wrong. After that year of training by myself, I was so, so, so happy to get back to an environment where I could train with other people as well. But I'm really glad that I forced myself to put in those hours um, and just and s- just slog by myself with no glory, no hype, no Instagram, no nothing. You know, it was just like, right, this is for me and me only. And I think there was there was a real purity and a peace that I found in that. Um, but I think that dedication to to movement training came from. Uh, a dedication to my yoga practice which came from the desire to fix my mental health you know so I think for me it actually really did span from having a daily yoga practice Um, yeah and that was where like the real heart of my current journey came from was like I discovered I just I discovered yoga and walked into a yoga class and just had my mind blown and it was fantastic and I realized how broken I was, um, <laughs> essentially. And I worked on my trauma and I worked on my body for, yeah, a long time. Um, and then as I started to resolve a lot of my my mental issues, shall we put it like that, or like my own, the way you talk to yourself, I guess, your internal voice, the way that you uh, engage with yourself, because I think a lot of people don't pay attention to the things that they say to themselves and the way that they say them. 
So people are very, very quick to shut themselves down, doubt themselves, or criticize themselves. And very few people tell themselves they love they that they love themselves every day. You know, so little things like while I was in Norway, uh, I had stuff stuck to my mirror, and I would like I'd make myself look in the mirror and tell myself that I love myself every day and that I am enough and that I am good enough, uh, just as I am. That I don't need to develop any further, and that I am I am perfect. Um, and that and instilling that self love as a practice was a big part of that early on as well. Do you have to discover that for yourself? As in, do you have to discover that? you need to sit in front of a mirror and tell yourself that you love yourself and that you're worthy can, can someone else instill that in you do you think or do you have to discover it for yourself I think I guess somebody else could introduce you to the idea of what self love is because nobody nobody talked to me about that for the first 20 years of my life I don't think really uh, like I, I the concept of loving yourself just I, that was an alien concept to me when I when I was first uh, when it was first highlighted to me I was like, what do you mean, self-love? What do you mean, love yourself? Like, uh, Because I, I, I literally hadn't even thought about or been educated in the idea of what you say to yourself really does dictate your internal reality and how you view the world even. So your, your self-view massively affects how you view and interact with other people and other, other things as well. Um, because if you don't care for yourself on a deep level you'll have the, all of these mixed feelings inside and that, that can lead to like a misplacement of identity which can like m- lead to poor communication skills which can lead to poor relationships which can lead to problems in life which can lead to all kinds of issues so I think like the self-love journey really is about just uh, it's like you can only meet other people at the level you've met yourself you know mm. I, I love that. I was I was working for um, some of the Jordanian royal family, and it was actually one of the princes who brought that quote up to me. And it was in reference to something that was going on in his life at the time. Um, absolutely wonderful guy, wonderful guy. And we had a long, long conversation about it after that. And I just thought, yeah, yeah, you can't meet with other people at a level deeper than the one you've met yourself. That's yeah. a beautiful quote. Yeah, really lovely. So bring in, <laughs> you've, <laughs> you've done your 12 months in Norway and then you, you come back and yeah, you, so then, obviously physically, you're well, physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, I guess you're completely changed. I, yeah, I guess so. Uh, quite a lot of the people that I was training with at the time after I came back, they, they saw quite a big difference in me instantly. And I think from that point, like where the metamorphosis like massively, massively took off was like I came back and I met uh, the woman that is now my wife. And oh my god, man! Like if you've got a rock or a foundation like that, like, you try not to progress. <laughs> like, my <laughs> wife is a miracle cure. She is an angel, and if it wasn't for her, nah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't be anywhere near where I am and what I'm doing now. Uh, like I met her and I asked her to marry me within two weeks of knowing her. I just knew she. Yeah, I just saw her. I was like, yeah, I want you. I'm going <laughs> to collect you. You're not going to be for anybody else. <laughs> like I adore you, and you will be mine. Um, and yeah, we were together for a few months and, um, I think, yeah, I was working like a really crap job. I was working like, I think some kind of call center job or, you know, something where I was earning minimum wage and I was doing some coaching for people on the side. And it was, and it was my wife who said like, look, okay, you're going to not work and you're going to set up your company and you're going to start doing this because... I can see your soul dying doing what you're doing. 
And I really didn't want to. I did not want to take that jump because there was a lot of self-applied pressure for me to provide for my wife as a husband. But So I, I, I tried to drop my ego and drop my pride and went, no, okay, okay, my wife is going to be the main earner and I'm going to try and start this company and see if I can earn money from it. And I think, I mean, oh, I think I was in profit within two or three weeks. Um, and then the business skyrocketed. Um, and it just took off and took off. And it, like at such a pace that like I was just running after the snowball that I'd pushed down the hill, really. <laughs> you know, Very reactive kind of style. It was like, oh my God, I can't believe this is really going the way, way beyond what I thought it could be going. Right, shit, I better start sprinting. Um, and again, that's just more fuel to the fire of self-development because everything that I addressed, I had to develop myself so much faster than anyone else was doing at that time in the scene to be able to keep up with my student base and to be able to do the things that I wanted to do as from a business perspective, you know? Simple as that. Like, Because I, I, I didn't respect people in the industry who couldn't do what they, what they taught. So that's like seems an obvious given one, doesn't it? (laughs) You shouldn't be teaching what you can't do yourself. (sighs) Yeah, yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. I think like once you've like earned your mantle, you know, and you're like sixty odd. Oh yeah, I mean, obviously in that scenario, but I mean, at some given stage, you need to be able to do what it is that you're teaching. Yeah, and and like yeah, yeah. If you don't have a video of you doing it when you're (laughs) twenty, at least it's like Pixar. It didn't happen, bro. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Pixar, it didn't happen. All yeah, right. yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then, so you know, um, coming here, how do you find the experience? I guess you have your one-to-one client base. Someone's made a very conscious decision that they want to come and, and train mm-hmm. with you. When you're in uh, an experience like here at Excel, there was there was probably I don't know forty people or so, yeah. um, at massively varying levels. Yeah. yeah. Um, how do you? How do you? How do you teach a class like that when there's there's such a, a wide variety of levels? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I mean, this is this is like the the biggest thing that I've like I've had to consciously work on this over a period of years, um, but it it was really helpful to me talking about like my own development, like going back to those early days. I was so terrible at everything I tried. I was really bad at it. Like, I have no talents at all. Like strength work, nah. I was terrible at it. I was really weak. Flexibility, like when I started, I couldn't touch my own shins if I had locked out legs <laughs> genuinely like it took me six months of yoga to be able to even touch my own shins I was so bad and so because I had to train so hard and try so many different methods to to learn every single skill like I think like for press handstand man like how many different drills did I try before I got one of those like maybe a thousand different drills like really stupid stupid stuff I would, I'd be trying every little variance on everything and as a result of that and having those horrendous problems with my own body I started just identifying trends like what are the common trends the common problems that every person is encountering here or this type of person or this person with this length femur or you know and I started logging it and I started like writing it down and collating data I think that's important if you don't collate your data if you're actually really like I mean you can wing it and like say oh well this majority of my client base is like this no I actually wrote down the statistics of it you know and I found clusters and from that point I was like right well this is this is an easily identifiable uh, load of things here right let's 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 work with those how do I come up with two dozen drills for each one of these these areas and from that point I mean 
yeah, it's just like there's a thousand ways to skin a cat. So learn the thousand ways. Yeah. Simple as that. Simple as that. And like, yeah, if one way doesn't work, you just pull out another tool. And you will find one. You will find one with, with some people. And some people have crazy, crazy niggles. And like just something will be slightly off for like six months. And then you'll get them to turn their foot one centimeter to the right in rotation. And then boom, you know, they'll pull out something insane. And that's all it was the whole time. <laughs> just the willing, the willingness to explore something with your client base as well. Like if you want to be rigid and say... Right, do a thousand push-ups until you can do something more advanced than a push-up, then fair play. But I'm not a marine and I'm not a gymnast, you know. I'm a movement teacher. Like, that's the, the whole point is that it's vast. So I need to be vast. From your experience of movement, it seems to be obviously blowing up and then hearing there are some correlations between all the people that we've s- spoken to. Mm. That it movement's like this gateway into a a healing process or it gives people a structure to look at themselves in a different way because they're seeing a progression mm-hmm. is that something that mm-hmm. you've seen with your clients oh man yeah it's I, I would say it's probably like the biggest reason i do it um it's super cool you can you can teach someone something and they'll come to you with like a physical goal and they'll say like I don't know it can be it can be literally anything it could be like a single leg squat or it could be a backflip or, or whatever the skill is really quite irrelevant but when you take somebody who doesn't have that much self-confidence especially and you help them learn even just like one new skill I mean I've had some people completely transform their whole lives based on learning how to do a handstand and like you'll see them in month one and they'll be struggling with their work or whatever. You see them two months on and they're seeing some progression. And you see them three months on and they'll, uh, they'll kick up and they'll get a click moment. And they'll get five seconds of free balance. And then you see their personality transform. Mm. And then you see, oh, they got a promotion at work. <laughs> and then you see, oh, they asked that girl out that they never had the confidence to before. Oh, and now they're going out. And now they're getting married. <laughs> and like, And you just see all of these things in their life. And I've had quite a few people come back to me and say, say something silly like, thank you, that was because of you. Uh, and I always just turn around and go, no, it's because you invested in yourself, you engaged, you put in the work, and you transformed yourself from the inside out, which is why your life has transformed. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, those, those are the moments, man. It's like It's not about like when you've got the student who dazzles the world so it's a good advert for you. It's about helping that like guy who has that chronic pain do that thing and he now no longer has chronic pain. So now he can have the quality of life, you know? It's like quality of life business. And what brought you to yoga then in the first place? Was um, it something innate? Because we've heard that a lot. Like people are just drawn to things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I would say no. I think I was far too egotistical and proud to take up something as feminine as yoga at that point in my life. And I, I say like feminine. I don't mm. mean that now. I mean that's what my attitude was. Like yoga was for women and old people and weak men. And that was genuinely how I felt about it. I was extremely like, oh, I, I'm a strong athletic like teenage guy. And like I, I like I like women and having muscles and you know just just rubbish rubbish teenage insecurities basically is all that it is and like that's how I felt about it I was just like ah oh, nah it's for like 
people who wear leggings and and they need that support. Like I actually, I actually genuinely thought, oh my goodness, oh if you need some form of emotional support, you are weak. Like that is that is like I don't know where that came from in my in my upbringing. I don't think it could have come from my parents. I don't know. Mm. I think it was just a poor internal attitude, mate. But luckily, I had my worldview rocked, and I got I got humbled, and I had my ego broken down. Uh, and I worked on it. But the reason I got into yoga was because I was doing all of this like terrible quality training and weight training and stuff and doing some martial arts. And I was getting injured. And my mate, who was a caparista uh, at the time, um, yeah, great guy. He was like, ah, you should try out this guy's yoga class because I'm doing it. And I've actually found it's really helped open me up for all these advanced capoeira moves. So, of course, I went into it with like, self like a a self-fulfillment egotistical kind of motive like i'm gonna get really bendy so i'll be popular i'll be able to do super cool moves and girls will like me you know so again poor motivation but it's fine because like that's often the way yeah like yeah yeah so i'm not gonna say like oh you know i think i was drawn to it because i wanted to love myself more nah i thought it was shit but i thought if i went to it i'd get girls And, and luckily luckily I, I was I was totally rocked. So. Well, if that if that gets you into it, then yeah. it's not such a bad yeah, thing. It got me, it? Th- it got me through the door. That's that's the big thing. That's the big. Yoga thing. gets you girls. <laughs> so, how do people find out about you, coaching with you, or, or well, you coach them, etc. Well, um, I would say the absolute best way to get in contact about future events and things that I'm going to be doing is to get in touch with uh, the Learning to Human Company. Uh, ran by a good friend of mine, Eddie Babilli, in London. And uh, we're also going to be doing a series of workshops uh, through Stretch London as well in the studios. And if you want to contact me personally, uh, that's absolutely fine as well. I am on Facebook. If you get hit me up, um, I'm just Tristan Kobayashi. Very, very simple. Or just send me an email. Again, just tristankobayashi at gmail.com with any inquiries, any questions. Um, yeah, I'll be more than happy to help out and respond where I can. Would Just you? so we have it, how do you spell Kobayashi? K-O-B-A-Y-A-S-H-I. Easy. Wonderful. Thanks Tristan, thanks so much it. for sharing your story, man. That was ah, no problem at all, guys. Thank you very much for having me. Wicked. Cheers. Cheers.